0: Hi, guys, and welcome to episode three of the In the Hub podcast with me, Neil Thacker. Today's guest is Harm van Houten. Harm is based out in the Netherlands and has over 20 years of experience and a wealth of technical knowledge within the broadcasting and media industry. Harm is an all round video and network engineer, helping content creators get their video from A to B with your side broadcast assistance. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Right, so, Harm, how did you get started in the broadcasting industry?
1: It's a long story, but I'll, I'll, I'll try to keep it short. In the Netherlands, you have little local broadcasters. Uh, I think they're known all over the world. They're really small. Uh, they run on volunteers. And I volunteered. Uh, well, I, I came into a company as an IT professional uh, at that point. But the thing with uh, television and radio, well, it's pretty much the same thing um once you get infected with it it's like a virus um you'll you'll stay with it you you'll keep with it so that's the same thing with me from being the IT professional i became the responsible uh, guy for the television uh, side of things with that broadcaster and then at one point uh, i made the move to the more bigger uh, broadcasters so the uh, dutch Uh, national television uh, uh, those kinds of uh, things and that slowly became bigger bigger and bigger Um, And yeah well I'm in the broadcasting and if it's up to me I'm here to stay
0: yeah moving more specifically into the topic of this podcast uh, sports broadcasting what does sport mean to you and how are you connected to the sports broadcasting industry
1: about well I would say 20 to maybe even 50 percent of what uh, uh, we Do is sports related live streams for sport uh, clubs, uh, doing play out for uh, fan channels. It, it, it's all sorts of things that are sports related because, well, yeah, as I told before, sports is, I think, from the facility side of things, is about 20 to 50 percent of uh, what they do. The same goes for channels. How do you get people to your channel? Sports because. Well, if it's football or if it's American football or horse racing or whatever, people tend to well go towards that and they'll well, consume the uh, advertorials that are with that as well. So, yeah, again, it it it's a major part in what people uh, uh, tend to watch, and I think it's one of the things that will stay linear mostly. Um, you see, like uh, the Netflix, like. Uh, things with a linear sport. So you have subscription models where you can subscribe to pretty much every sport that, that is available, but it's always linear because how much fun is it when a, a, a soccer game has finished and you already uh, heard from your mates what the uh, uh, end results are? So I think sports will stay a linear uh, uh, thing.
0: So, just to sum up, how important do you think these live sporting events are to the broadcasting industry?
1: Um, If you look at linears, uh, uh, I think they're really, really important. How important? Well, that would be me pulling off the cloth of my big glass bowl. Yeah, how you say that? It's going to take quite a lot of effort to get uh, sports away from linear television. Um, I think if you speak linear television, well, you end up with sports.
0: And then obviously with the events of the last year, you know, how, how did COVID-19 impact live sports and, and sports broadcasting in general? You know, did it have a wider impact on industries outside of broadcasting that we don't often think about?
1: I think so, yes, because um, everything came to a grinding halt. So channels did, did miss their content. Uh, uh, sports clubs are missing their income. Facility companies are not driving out with their trucks Um, channels lose revenue on their commercials. It's one big avalanche of uh, 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 people that are um, related to the sports event. And that's then just only the media side of things. Things like the local fish and chips uh, uh, guy next to the stadiums will have the same thing going on. So I think it, it... well, once the situation clears up, we will get a better understanding of what the actual impact is but looking at uh, looking over what I've seen so far, the Olympics being cancelled well being delayed um, imagine all the costs that are involved with that uh, just all the logistics equipment being shoved around, people already on site needing to go back and Well, all sorts of logistical uh, problems. The actual impact will only become clear when um, the dust settles and we can start doing that, what we did before. And then, yeah, then the numbers will will show how big of an impact it will be. But I think looking at what I'm seeing now, it'll be bigger than that we uh, can estimate at this moment.
0: Yeah, because it's easy to kind of look at the Olympics and the issues with the rights and stuff like that. But but you can't forget about these kind of grassroots football organizations and, and teams, you know, in local areas who, who are really, you know, hit hard by this as well.
1: Exactly. Yeah. There are even the smaller clubs that really rely on the uh, income of licensee fees um, to keep things going, to, to to keep the doors open. Um to pay even for the smaller ones to pay salaries towards uh, uh, the semi profs uh, uh, in their teams. And that's talking about the bigger sports. If you go to the really little uh, uh, things of sports, like, uh, well, for, in, for instance, in the Netherlands, you have uh, the uh, basketball. It's not that big, it's quite small, but not having uh, to play, but still rent the venue. Um, and having no uh, income from your uh, rights contracts, and that's going to hit them hard.
0: So, how have you seen, you know, broadcasters and sports organisations adapt to the challenges imposed by coronavirus?
1: Um, the Belgians went digital with their uh, uh, cycling. Because they're really fans of uh, road cycling, or how you say that, r- r- bike races, or I don't yeah, know how yeah, yeah. uh, translate that to English, but um, <laughs> they did that virtually, which turned out to be really cool to look at. Um, so I think it was VRT that did this. Um, so they went on the innovative side. Um, uh, others just grabbed back to do, uh, uh, well, talk shows about uh, okay why there is no sports how it could have been prevented uh, maybe even do after shows uh, from matches that have already been played uh, uh in the past uh, I've seen some uh old matches really old matches that even I can't remember uh being aired so our guys play a big role in that um yeah it, it it's really there, there are so many ways uh, uh, to handle this and and i've seen really innovative things uh, i must say the vrt one i, I like very much um, they did a uh, i don't know which round it, it actually was but it just made it a video game so every cyclist was at home on his own bike bringing the video signal back to uh, one central location just with a television screen projecting the uh, actual track, and there they there they win. And yeah, I know it's not the real feeling, but it the innovative side of things. Me as a really technical guy, um, yeah, that that did warm warm me up a bit. Just okay. So there are options to get live content in a competitive in a competitive way. Uh, uh, on screen. So yeah, there are too many uh, examples to just sum up from from broadcasts that went really all out uh, on it to to bring still interesting content.
0: So branching off of that, what roles do you think that things like footage archives and and sports documentaries have played during the period of delayed and cancelled sporting events?
1: they had a really big impact on getting those uh, gaps uh, filled because losing two times 45 minutes, uh, two times a week, uh, even maybe more uh, in hours uh, on your uh, channel, um, that leaves you with quite a big dilemma because as we say in broadcast, lag is no option. So you have to put something on air, and people expect something in a sports-related fashion uh, in those time slots. Um, so it's quite difficult to get that then uh, filled up. So I think that a uh, having a good footage library um, helped them quite a lot.
0: So I mean, do you think the live sports broadcasting landscape will fundamentally change after this pandemic?
1: What we've seen is that doing things remote is, well, sort of pretty much common Now, within the last four or five months, we adapted Teams, we adapted Zoom. um, And I think that doing the uh, remote uh, uh, broadcasting will become more and more of a a common thing. So having just cameras on site and having a remote uh, facility somewhere, in maybe even somewhere in Europe, um, producing your content, having as little people on site as possible. I think that for the next year, maybe two years, uh, as we are still recovering from the pandemic, will be common. And I think we will grow used to this so fast that we don't want to go back. You see now already with things like Teams that people say, okay, well, working from home, it's not ideal, Oh, I can do this more often. I'm happy with that because traffic jams uh, uh, are lowering. So I'm happy with that. And having remote broadcasting makes it easier for me to assist with the uh, bigger things because I don't have to drive from one venue to another venue. I can just stay on one location and assist multiple venues with their issue. So there is a necessity for it because, well, of course, you can't get within uh, one and a half meters of each other. So, well, having a lot of people in a stadium you have, you'll need quite a lot of big stadiums. Um, and the other thing is that it's just easier. It is, just is. And what I hear back from a lot of uh, directors is, yeah, but I missed the touch with the floor. Well, over the course of time, they'll get used to it. And we'll get systems uh, where the, the touch with the floor will come back. So our teams will maybe play a role in that. Uh, having extra cameras... Pointed towards uh, 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 operators, will will add that. I think that dilemma will get solved at some point. Where I don't know how, I don't know either. But will it, it it will get fixed?
0: So you say about this kind of the whole uh, mentality of touching the floor? Do you think that these kind of virtual events, like you were talking about the uh, virtual road cycling and and stuff like that, do you think they'll forever be confined to? temporary uh, you know placeholders for unforeseen events and circumstances or or do you think we could start to see some mergers
1: i think we'll see them more because they'll not be as uh, well again this is me touching a big glass bowl but um i think that virtual sports it will be not a big thing but it'll be a nice addition too so um, it might become sort of a part of a talk show where uh, uh, guests are talking about certain writers or certain, uh, well, whatever you might think of, and they'll do demos this way. So they'll show you how it went. They'll, uh, uh, they'll do a race and, and, and discuss this afterwards. And, and just as a sort of a enter- bit more on the entertainment side than on the sports side, I think, It just won't be a big part of a broadcast anymore as it was during the, well, the hype of the pandemic. Um, But I think it'll be quite a good addition to the live sports events.
0: So thank you for reading your crystal ball today with us, Harm. Really appreciate it.
1: (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) I I even polished
0: it up for today. (laughs) Uh, Just to end on, are there any exciting projects you've got in the pipeline? What are you up to at the moment?
1: Well, uh, that's just touching on remote broadcasting. It's a protocol which is called SRT. It it was shortly coming up before the pandemic, but it's grown really fast. Um, And we're doing quite some big projects with that. Uh, We're bringing uh, sports, we're even bringing uh, elderly bingo to local broadcasters with this uh, uh, protocol. So it goes from uh, uh, doing a complete live interview uh, from the uh, uh, executive from uh, the University of Eindhoven towards France over just vanilla internet. Um, in high resolution to bringing elderly bingo to the local broadcaster just from Eindhoven to a local uh, a city here in uh, Brabant. So um, it, that's one of the things that, that helps uh, uh, things like remote broadcasting and especially for the local sports uh, venues. Because things like these innovations, because um, SRT is also available within uh, several Playbox products, you can just natively pick that signal up and bring that towards uh, uh, your play app system. So just, well, buy a cheap license of vMix. It does SRT already. And just link your vMix to your play app. There you go. No big satellite trucks, nothing. You just, well, go towards your local broadcast. Uh, sorry, go towards your local sports club and have them... Uh, 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 well bring them to your station just show them and and make it easy for them just yeah somehow reach out to them that that's what i would say for to the smaller broadcasts and for the bigger ones yeah do the same thing the smaller ones need it
0: yeah completely agree so i mean i look forward to you tuning into bingo championships at some point soon <laughs> um so if people are interested in srt or anything that you're up to uh, how can they best get in touch with you
1: um well, go and find us on the internet. Um, it, it, it's, it's the easiest way. Uh, visit our website, uh, yourside.nl um, or .tv, uh, whatever fits uh, fits you best. Um, you'll find us there, and just click on uh, uh, the contact page. With that, 24/7, um, reach out, and we'll uh, we'll try to help. And we do that during, well throughout all Europe, and there, where possible, we help out uh, throughout the world. So. Just reach out, and we'll uh, try to help you out.
0: So, I mean, that—that's absolutely everything. Thanks so much for coming on today, Harm, and talking yeah, you're to welcome. us. It's been really great.